And if I am elected as a city council member, I would be the first Chinese American, uh, New York City born and raised a city council member. And I would be like the Jeremy Lin of the New York City Council. my co-host Don Sun and um, I'm really excited because for the first time ever on our show we have sort of a panel we have um, a couple of New York City um, City Council uh, candidates with us today we have Dao Yin and Edwin Wong uh, Don Dao Edwin hi guys hi Katie hi, hi, Katie Don. and Don <laughs> really exciting to have you guys on here um, and fun to have you joining me from uh, the East Coast. I hope you guys had a good day getting into your evening now. Um, and so I'm really excited to talk to you guys about issues facing New York City. We've done a lot of that um, on this show, um, but also to just sort of have a, a nice relaxed chat and kind of see how this um, goes. But before we get started, I wanted to give you each a chance to introduce yourself um, to our audience. So we can just start from the top of my Zoom screen. So Dow, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, first, uh, thank you, Katie and Dong. My name is Dao Ying. Uh, I'm the candidate for uh, New York City Council in District 20. Basically, covers uh, flushing and flush meadows. Um, first of all, I'm not a politician. I'm from business world. Uh, I have to be a community activist for about uh, two decades now. Um, as I said, uh, I'm a community-minded person. I came from community. Uh, I'm ready to work for this community. Thank you. Thank you, um, Edwin. Hi again, uh, Katie and Don. Thank you so much um, for this opportunity. And, and Dow, it's great to see you as always and being on this guess, first ever panel with two, more than one person. Um, so again, my name is Edwin Wong and I'm also a New York City Council candidate for uh, in Queens in District 29. Uh, which encompasses the neighborhoods of Forest Hills, Regal Park, uh, Kew Gardens, and, and parts of Richmond Hill and, and Middle Village. Uh, I'm a Queens-born uh, New York City native, uh, live in Forest Hills now uh, with my two sons and my wife. Um, I'm a son of immigrants. Uh, my late mother was a New York City public school teacher and my, my father also worked for the city uh, Department of Social Services. Um, and one unique thing about me right now is uh, even as a candidate, as counsel, I'm actually the only Chinese American a Democratic State Committee male member in all of Queens, in the borough of Queens in, in New York. Um, I have about 20 years of experience in the community advocacy world and, and 15 years working and supporting a small, small and commercial banking uh, businesses. Uh, and these are the you know, experience that I'll use to, to help us out of our fiscal and, and current uh, crisis here uh, in New York City. Uh, and so I can you know, share more you know, as we speak, uh, but again, that's just a quick, quick summary and highlights at this point in time. And really I'm running really to bring uni unity and leadership as well um, to the to the um, to the city of the campaign, so thank you. Yeah, thanks guys for introducing yourself. And I guess Don, I'll also give you a minute if you want to speak on why you invited these two here to talk with us today. <laughs> thank you, Katie. Anytime I'm not I'm not going to refuse the microphone time. Okay, mm -hmm. just like a politician. <laughs> but uh, of course, it's uh, the two of them is a very good friend of mine, and also it's a very uh, dedicated and uh, 
supporter for the uh, Angry N, and Angry N is running for New York mayor at this moment. And uh, uh, Darwin and Edwin, is, uh, we have been go through the, uh, the young 2020, the presidential election years, and uh, both of them are very supportive to Andrew. And uh, they are not only the talker, but they are action, the, the doer. So it's uh, the, um, I truly appreciate uh, every day I spend in New York. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm in the California, and now it's like fruit in uh, New York now. So every time he's uh, coming here, I try to meet with uh, Darwin or it's uh, Edwin and uh, feel so enjoyable talking to them, both politics and also personal life. So it's the, I think it's a, with their intelligence and their personal integrity, regardless of whether win or lose, we need more Asian American to stand up and serve the community, but especially in the process of a decision-making process, especially in New York City. New York City is a huge, but the position Asian can voice their concern they can make decision is still very, very rare. We almost have a no voice uh, in terms of any uh, school issue and also it's a, a security issue, safety issue, especially for the reason the Asian uh, hate crime things is uh, that has been becoming national attention. But uh, overall in the mainstream media, we still is uh, very weak and nobody pay attention to us. That's why it's, I want to, two of them to come into our show share their thoughts about all the issues that we're going to work with you and just tell the people audience uh, your true feeling and your plan and uh, what we can deal with uh, now and the future. Back to you, Katie. May, may I just make a quick comment if it's okay? Oh, sure. just, I, I just want to say thank you to, to Dao because Dao is actually the person that invited me to an Andrew Yang uh, fundraiser in Flushing uh, when it was June, I think June 2020, June 2019, um, so he's the one that got me interested and involved. Um, I actually got involved and I actually became a delegate when Andrew Yang ran for president and, and was one of the, I'm actually right now the only um, a city council candidate who uh, supported him as a delegate, um, as president. And uh, I think one, if not maybe the only person that kind of supported his efforts as you know, part of the whole Freedom Dividend and UBI. And so I just wanted to share that. And thank you for, to Dow to introduce me. And then from there I introduced my brother, my brother got involved and he became a delegate. So the kind of thing snowballed from there. And I think now is he's running for mayor, it's, it's great. I think we have an opportunity to support him. Even though we're both running our respective city council candidate uh, district um, campaigns, we still find time to support Andrew and, 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 and your, your efforts as well, Don. So um, anything you need, we're here for you. Thank you. Yes, yes. I, I was the person to introduce Edwin to Andrew's team. The reason is simple. As I say, I'm not a politician. I'm from business world. I'm a community activist. I, I like to, you know, think of something out of a box. When I heard Andrew Young, entrepreneur, uh, that time 44 years old, uh, jumped to the presidential race, I always talk to my people in the community. Why not? You can try. Finally, Andrew Young made a history. Now, Andrew Yang is making history again. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, that's great to get that background on how all of you guys know each other. And I love yep. hearing those kinds of stories about um, people's connection. Um, but I wanted to start on kind of a serious note, um, just because we're recording on the heels of 
um, a tr the tragic mass murder um, targeting two Asian owned businesses in Atlanta. Um, so before we kind of pivot a little bit to New York politics, I wanted to give each of you a chance to kind of respond um, to the uptick in hate crimes uh, that we've generally seen this year um, targeting people of Asian descent and also this event in particular. Um, so uh, Edwin, if you wanna go first this time in, in responding to that. Right, right, yeah, I mean, what happened when Atlanta was just uh, it's a tragedy, it's very unfortunate. Um, Again, I, I should just like to maybe just take a moment of silence just for the 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 the, um, the victims, just for like I think it was eight eight seconds is fine. Um, and so again, I think it's important for us to look at some of the solutions. I think a lot of things are happening now. There's a lot of rallies. It's great to see a lot of activism. But I think now it's also the time where we think of solutions. And that's what I've been doing. And we've been talking to you know, just my friends and people I know and to figure out how it is it that we can address some of the issues of anti-Asian anti racism, the hate that's happening. Uh, and actually, I came up with a, an acronym, you know, ACE for ACE, uh, in terms of things that I think we can do. Um, very, very simple, I think, things that can happen. It just hasn't happened yet. I think the, the A is really just to advocate for uh, and, and fundraise for some of these APA organizations that are out there. There are a, a numerous numbers of them that are right now active in doing things, but they're working on shoestring budgets. You'll hear something called budget equity. I think that term is, you're gonna see here more and more, and, and especially at this point in time, how do we get more of our city, state, and, and federal budgets um, to fund some of the programs that these APA organizations are doing to do outreach to the community, um, like language translations, uh, things that uh, you don't see too often in, in, in all the communities. And so we definitely need to figure out a way to fund um, and make it more reflective of our current um, populations uh, in terms of the budget allocations. And the C is really for collaboration. How do we get organizations to collaborate with one another? Uh, just not just the Asian American organization, but the non-Asian American organizations. How do we get everyone to collaborate with one another uh, to support each other? Um, and I even think that has to go down to even the local, what they call these precinct councils, uh, which they are the interface between the local precincts and the community to work with them and to try to figure out how do we build those relationships between um, our, our police as well as our, our community. And then the E is really for education. How do we educate one another on the contributions of Asian Americans to this country? Uh, you know, again, many aren't aware that many uh, Chinese and Asians, they've helped build the U.S. transcontinental railroad. Uh, and that was a significant uh, achievement for the, the U.S. within the U.S. history books. And it's just not really mentioned. And so what I'm going to be you know, doing is really calling on our New York City Department of Education to figure out how do we fund Asian American studies programs at the elementary, middle school and even high school levels. Um, and really, that'll help, I think, address some of the bullying that's, that people are, are also going to uh, experience. Uh, I think it's happened. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. But I think if we can educate kids when they're younger, these bullies hopefully won't grow up to be adult bullies. And then these adult bullies could be the perpetrators of the attacks against the, the Asian community at this point in time or in the future, and specifically against our seniors. I think that's really, I think that's the thing that really gets me more emotional when, when you have attacks against, you know, you know, our most vulnerable seniors. And, and you've seen that. And there was a death in California where someone just, just ran up to the guy, knocked him down, and he, he passed away. And so, so those are the three things I think we can try to uh, focus on in terms of solution to, to um, bring the community together uh, and also just um, advocate for better awareness and understanding of one another so that these, these attacks and things uh, you know, can be reduced and hopefully prevented. That's great. Thank you. Dow, do you, do you have anything you wanna to add to that? Yeah, as uh, Edwin said, we have a lot, a lot of tasks to do. 
Um, but I personally think uh, what happened in Atlanta um, is, uh, is definitely um, Asian hate crime related and also is due to the systematic discrimination to the minorities. And also um, there's a main reason because the previous president uh, said something, um, you know, the coronavirus was uh, the China virus. It's totally not acceptable. Um, everybody knows uh, what we're going to do is to put people together, not a further divide this nation. And uh, also, we need to think about how to prevent the tragedy happening in the future. That's very important. Like uh, yesterday, the mass shooting again killed 10 people in Colorado happened. So we need, to, we need to think about uh, this country. We're gonna prevent it happening from the future. We have a way, we have a people. We need to use high technology, as I always said, we need to use the better system to prevent increased crimes and also work with uh, the, the police and uh, have a better relationship between the police and the community. Thank you. Yeah, and I think um, what you said about the relationship between the police and the community Dao, is a really good um, yeah. segue into a question that I kind of had in mind for Edwin, um, which is that uh, this week the NYPD announced that it would be increasing patrols in predominantly Asian neighborhoods kind of in response um, to this violence. And I'm wondering how you weigh this kind of decision and other policing um, proposals, especially um, with with the events of this summer arguing that some, you know, uh, people of color feel less safe when there is a, a higher police presence around them. So kind of how are you balancing those things in your mind? Uh, do you want me to take that one or, or, or that? Or? Yes, yeah, please, okay. sorry. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely um, a need for us to, to build better relationships between the police and the communities that they serve. Um, I think for me, I've been, you know, involved with our local precinct council meeting, not as active as it would like to be, but at least attending some of the meetings and trying to better understand and, and be the relationship between the Asian American community and the precinct. I mean, there have been a couple of instances where we feel that there's some racism involved and and and, and I think uh, kind of even attacks against some folks in the community. And I would basically try to connect the the, 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 the victim to the police precinct because a lot of them are, are afraid. They don't want to go to police. They don't want to report it. So what we've been trying to do is encourage them to report it. Otherwise, if you don't report the incident, it, it won't basically exist. And that's why right now there's a lot of underreporting of, of crimes against Asian Americans. And when you see the police reports that they only had like 29 or 30 reports of hate, whereas other reports, they're in the thousands. So there's a disconnect. And I think we need to make sure that people feel comfortable to report these incidents to the police. Um, and I think that there's definitely also this concern about over-policing. I think that is a, a very, very, um, 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 uh, it's an area that, that many communities of color are concerned about where there are too many police and they, they do fear and that's why they don't report and that's why there's under reporting and of crime and, and the mistrust. And I think we need to try to again, uh, build that relationship. One thing that happens every year, there's a night out against crime. I think a lot of people aren't aware of it. I think it happens in August where, you know, the police precinct and, and the community council get together uh, and do things with the community. Um, they will engage the community, have events for the community and again, try to build that relationship with the community. So I think uh, as we try to, um, you know, build these relationships with the community and, and the police, I think the more and more that we can do that, I think the better 
uh, I think the less, I guess, uh, concerns people may have in terms of over-policing, but I think definitely we have to just address the concerns that people do have about over-policing because it does exist. Um, but again, I think if we can build that relationship uh, with the community and the, and the, and the precinct, um, that'll definitely help with the, the relationships. And then people will become more comfortable, I think, when they see police in, in uniform uh, or they see a police car, they hear sirens. And I think that hopefully will, will help um, with those relationships and address any concerns that they have. Yeah, uh, follow both of your question as a candidate, you know, it's the Asian community and the black community, they have a different uh, view or point toward the policing. So it's the, I just want you both just to answer the very, very, uh, maybe a little bit uh, tough or challenging question. There's so much uh, strong voice uh, from a uh, community, they keep a, uh, uh, shouting out, say it's the defund the police, defund the the uh, because the uh, police uh, and the union they have a strong uh, political establishment establishment and the connection, and also it's uh, they have a very strong established the uh, the both side. It's a very very uh, strong uh, polarized opinions, but for the Asian community, we are kind of in between. So it's for the defunding police in terms of the, uh, Edward, you are kind of a very expert on the money and the budget. <laughs> From budget side, what's your thought? And for the Daoyin, after that one, I'm going to give you a particular angle to ask you. So yeah, I think in terms of the budget, there's definitely room for, um, Improvement. I think there are the certain budget items. Even I think the, you can you can speak to the NYPD about it. Uh, there are th certain things that maybe in the budget that is focused on, let's say, addressing homelessness or addressing mental health issues and things like that. I think the NYPD. I mean, their focus is you know fighting crime and decreasing crime. I think that's their focus. And I think these other areas where there's an opportunity to where we can maybe have a budget um, you know item or some funds moved out to those other areas of focus. I think I'm definitely for that. And I think that we need to address other issues to reduce the incarceration of individuals. I don't think we need more people in jail. I think we need to kind of get to the core issues that if they have a drug addiction, let's get them into a drug prevention program. If they have a mental illness, let's, let's get them into some type of program where they can you know, help with the mental illness. We, we don't need to put those individuals into, into um, jails. Um, and I think that there's a balancing act of because there is uh, violence and unfortunately these things do happen and they have to be punished in a way uh, that can address the issue. Uh, but again, I think a lot of it has to do with um, uh, looking for ways of reducing incarceration, but at the, at the same time addressing uh, the issues that folks may have. And I think the budget, again, can be allocated as such where you can take some funds and, and, and put it into these different programs, which will help reduce um, um, a crime. Uh, just to follow up about one specific mm -hmm. question, when people ask for the defund the policing, that's the part of it to restructure the allocation of a budget, but yeah. they want to reduce the total police budget. Do you agree with that direction or is it not necessary or facing the crime and the Asian want to just keep the existing budget and just do some real allocation of money? Yeah, I, I always say reallocate. I don't say defund. I think, I think if you reallocate that, that's the proper word to use. I think when you say defund, that means you want to get rid of the police. And I don't, I'm not for getting rid of the police good, this time. Good, good. Very, very clear message. And uh, right. uh, Daoyin, is the, my question is similar uh, on this subject. It's the, 
I know in recently you have been lead the community patrol and the uh, street patrol and the community the safeguard by the community yourself. But uh, uh, I personally feel that, of course, the volunteer is the one part. Also, self-funding is a part, but also it's the uh, how your community patrol team and this effort co coordinate with the police department with the government, that kind of a thing is a little bit a challenge because of the, if one particular group or it's a shift or community leaders, their political power is stronger and also it's the, you may be funded by the community support. So there's going to have some money involved. So it's a kind of a, when you protect yourself, but on the other side, you have a lot of work to coordinate each different shift and how you pay the volunteers or you pay the paid staff to do the uh, safety and uh, whether they have a professional training and after that, it's a, it can be sustainable. Uh, for the sustainability, it's my main concern and make sure it's a community have a good reputation and they can defend them, themselves, but also it can be work with the police department. Uh, I think it's a, that's the, my concern at the question. And also maybe just like a regular people, we always think of self community involvement is good, but on the other side, it's also, it's a, maybe have a, some a challenge work you have to do. Thank you, Yao. Yes, yes. As long you say, you are to the value point. You know why? Because uh, I give you an example. Flushing did have um, the, the on-street patrol team. Uh, from 2010 to 2016. Somewhat they could not continue because of financial difficult and other issues. Why Brooklyn has one team they established in 2014. They even now they're very active. And Chinatown, we have a similar organizations as well. Um, now we have a task to put uh, those very young, let's say four teams, uh, which I arranged the announcement, the establishment on Sunday. Um, we have a lot to do. As I said, I'm from Peninsula. First, we need people. The secondly, we need equipment or you say systems. People, we need to recruit volunteers, but we need to provide a facility. As you said, we need office space. We need a lot of volunteers to communicate each other, be trained. And we, we need to have a seminar. We're gonna invite the, the, uh, the local police and community police officers to come down to our office to train, to educate the people because fundamentally our volunteers on the, work on the street. Actually they started yesterday, I was there. One team started yesterday. We are the ears and eyes on the street, because we have a very limited equipment. We are not a police officer. So there's a lot to do, but uh, the first is we give the society uh, a message. We are protecting ourselves, but more importantly is again, to build the relationship between the community and the, the police department. 
Um, I love the, the emphasis on community that both of you have and in building relationships. I think that that's um, really important, especially as we come out of this pandemic, which has left us all kind of isolated from um, one another. So I kind of wanted to open it up and ask a broader question um, about what you see as, you know, as we come into this spring, more and more people getting vaccinated um, and into the summer, hopefully it, it feels like the pandemic is finally kind of drawing to a close or at least getting to a point where it's manageable enough that we're gonna start kind of emerging from our shells. Um, so I'm wondering what you see as the biggest issue facing New York as, um, you sort, as the pandemic sort of ends and we begin that process of rebuilding and recovery. Um, Edwin, you can go first on this one. Um, yeah, you had mentioned it and you touched upon, I think the, the, the initial thing is definitely uh, making sure that folks are um, um, vaccinated. I think the vaccine distribution needs a little bit of an improvement right now. I think it needs to be a little bit more fairly distributed, especially to those who are in communities of color, which have been disproportionately impacted um, by the uh, pandemic. I think we need to really make sure that even though a lot of people think, so, yeah, the vaccine is here, but we need to make sure it, everyone is getting access to the vaccine. Everyone's heard the stories around the country where only certain people are getting the vaccination first and they're getting prioritized and it's not really fair. Right? So we need to make sure that there's equitable distribution of the vaccines. And then as that is happening, we also need to concurrently make sure that we support our small businesses. Because I think we really need to support small business and I should say business, business recovery in general. We need to make sure that you know, for our small businesses that we can provide grants to them. So again, they can at least use the money to pay for expenses like rent and pay their staff. Um, I think unfortunately a lot of people are unemployed and we need to really get uh, everyone back into some type of employment. Um, we need to make sure that again, we support the business so they can hire a new, uh, you know, the old staff back. Um, I think the other thing that we have to do is to make sure that you know, there's a lot of fines that are happening right now. I, I just feel that we have to try to uh, give a little bit of leeway to the, the businesses that are being fined um, and see if we can either reduce it or at least give them a warning. Um, because I, I hear stories when I talk to small business owners where they hear someone getting a fine of $500 to $1,000 for something that they weren't even aware of. And I think that that's, we have to That's fines that. related to like um, COVID like Some COVID, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. the COVID. There were, there were instructions of what to do because of COVID. And so if they didn't follow it to the T, they will get a fine for it. I think you need to at least, uh, you know, give them some kind of warning or let them know um, that, hey, th this needs to be done before you get a fine. Um, and I think, and, and then when you have the business recovery and you have employment, um, that helps address a little bit of, of the homelessness as well, because I know when you become unemployed, you, ha you don't have an income, um, you, you lose your home. And then that results in some of the increase in homelessness. And I think that's all part of how we employ, keep people employed or reemploy everyone and find opportunities for them and to, to recover. And so I think the focus is really on, on, on business recovery and then things will go from there. Dow, do you have yeah. anything you want to add? Yes. Um, as everybody knows, uh, small, small business hide uh, more people than large corporations in this nation. Um, we definitely need to help small business to recover from uh, the you know, COVID-19. Um, Besides the governmental ends, I strongly suggest large corporations work with small business because usually large corporations purchase materials, parts, and service from small business. They can work each other. That's why um, I never ever against the, we, let's say Queens introduce Amazon, the giant, 
have their headquarters or warehouse in Queens to, to help our economy. Unfortunately, um, politicians rejected Amazon, but we still we will have a chance to work with large corporations because uh, every business has its rivals. Uh, even Amazon has rivals as well. So we need to think, again, think out of the box because uh, due to the COVID-19, I'm afraid uh, maybe 30, 40% traditional hotels, restaurants, they just cannot survive. And the more young people, they purchase everything from you know, the website. So we need to think about the new type of the business. And we need to think about the robotics as engineering our engines. The automation will remove thousands, millions jobs from human beings. So both government, corporations, small business, when you think about our future, then we can get a health economy. We can keep the United States on top, be a leading country in the world. Thank you. Good. And uh, uh, I do have a question. You know, it's the, I'm running for the election all the time. So it's the, my question probably is very particular, specified about your candidacy. So it is possible you can just each give me uh, or give audience some description about your uh, district demographics and also it's your campaign. Uh, not the strategy. I know strategy is a secret for your for your winning sources, but just the, the winning path in general is how you can convince your uh, district uh, people vote for you. And uh, technically it's uh, how much money each of you have been raised. And also it's the how, ma how many votes in your pocket. And uh, in general, this uh, podcast we focus on the Asian American and this year, uh, at this year and this moment, uh, and what's the, uh, the, the mentality of the your district Asian community, how enthusiastic they are going to come out to vote. So this is the, the, my question to both of you. Edwin, you can start to. Thank you. Uh, our district is uh, about 25% to 30% Asian American. And so I think that is a, is a big um, uh, demographic in our, in our neighborhood. Um, so that is one of my focus areas again, but again, I'm not just targeting the Asian American community, but I'm targeting um, everyone else as well. Uh, in terms of, again, I'm running on a, a platform which I'm using an acronym called SAME. It's S-A-M-E. Um, so again, that's focused on small business. I mentioned earlier, we need to increase funding for our small business community and give them like grants and low interest loans. Um, and also our seniors, you know, we need to help our aging seniors. And what I'm proposing is something called universal home care, where we would have home attendant visits or home care uh, visits so that we can have uh, folks visit our seniors um, and then care for our seniors. And this will extend also to those who are disabled, because at this point in time, we also need to address some of the issues that some of our folks that are disabled have, have challenges with. Um, and then, you know, something called, uh, and this is also something that Andrew is proposing in terms of just uh, bridging the digital divide, something I'm calling modern technology family. We want to make sure that all our families and our children have access to the internet. Uh, at this point in time, not everyone does. And that's very tough right now when it comes to remote schooling and access to the internet. And, and that leads into E, which is for education. You know, our district, again, we want what's called free 3K. 
uh, I guess you can say it's nursery. And so we want it to be district in our district and citywide. Right now, certain uh, school districts have free 3K, but not everyone does. And that's one of the things I'm trying to push and promote. And again, this helps save money for our parents and for even our single parents, where if they don't have to pay for um, school, they can use the money for rent or for food or for medicine or clothing for the children. So I think these are things that I think will resonate with the community, uh, both the Asian and non-Asians. And then uh, another thing that we all are aware of is, is this funding for our hospitals and our healthcare workers. We need to make sure that they have the funding for like PPE and anything else that they need. Um, and as well as something that Andrew touches all the time on, we need to provide some kind of relief, whether it be cash relief directly to our, our renters or maybe in, indirectly even with some kind of tax relief uh, as well. And, and tax relief also applies to landlords because landlords have bills to pay as well and they have to you know, pay property taxes, which is a big source of revenue for, for New York City and New York State. Uh, and that's one thing that people are trying to address right now. Um, and so all of these things are things that I've been sharing with the folks here in, in, the, in the district in terms of um, why they should vote for me. And the one historical thing that I've been sharing with some that may relate within the Asian American community is that, again, I was born and raised in New York City and if I am elected as a city council member, I would be the first uh, Chinese American, uh, New York City born and raised a city council member. And I would be like the Jeremy Lin of the New York City Council. So that's what I've been kind of sharing with everyone that everyone knows Jeremy Lin is the first, you know, I guess you can say uh, Chinese American born and raised in, in the US to be a part of the NBA. And so I'm using that as a kind of relatable messaging to people that it's a historical thing where um, I would be the first New York City born and raised uh, Chinese American city council member. So, so that's part of the messaging I'm sharing. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, excellent. Dao? Yes. Uh, okay, I'm gonna skip my uh, agendas. I'm gonna tell uh, my, my thinking, my ideas, my plan, not only for the particular District 20, but also for the Bottle Queens and for the city as a whole. Because obviously establishments failed our society from affordable housing, job security, to education, as well as public safety now. So now, now we need a person or we need some people. They, they will have the plan in their mind. They have a people to support. They will know always they have a improved mindset, as I say, because we are United States. We don't need a revolution. Some countries need revolutions. What a, this country is the leading country in the world. We need improvements. So how, for example, affordable housing, everybody, every candidate is talking about affordable housing. When you put five, eight years to build a building as affordable housing, when the building is done, the apartment is done, they are not affordable. First, the property tax. Second, in, the, in New York, the building materials, the price soar. So how do you deal with very difficult affordable housing? I have idea in my mind. We can, we can learn from Japan, from German. We can build small unit, prefabricated material affordable housing. We need to think not only the elders, but also college graduates. Think about the parents, the college students, they paid the thousands for their tuition. When they graduated, they have a difficult to find a job. 
even they found a job, their monthly rental expense could be 40%, even 50% of their income. In that case, there's no quality of life. That's why my affordable housing is considered both local residents and also college graduates. The first. Secondly, treat the New York City as a whole. I was the first, one of the first people to advocate to develop Lion City as early as I think is 2016. Why? There's a reason. When you build a part of a Queens conjecture to the New York City, young people, they like to work for corporations, for startups. So young people in Queens, if they live in Queens, they, they don't need to go to very crowded, committed to the city mm -hmm. to do a job. You know, now you see, we build, we build on the city. Of course, you cannot make everybody happy, but still you, you need to think that whole New York City as a whole, then you can eliminate what the current mayor said, two city problem. That's why I must say, you need to have a new plan, new thinking, because our establishment failed. Yeah, I think there's that definitely gives us a lot um, to, sort of to think about going forward and um, talking about the the way in which 2020 and 2021 have sort of revealed big, big systemic uh, flaws in this country. I want to um, sort of close it up by maybe asking a little bit more of a personal question um, of each of you before we kind of uh, get to the end, uh, which is. Um, you've both lived in Queens for good portions of your life. Edwin, you were born in Queens also, right? Yeah, I've lived in Queens all my life. I was, literally, I was born in Manhattan, but then I was taken to Queens after I was born. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm New York City born, uh, bred, bred in Queens specifically, yes. Yeah, so I wanted to ask of you both, and we can start with Dow for this, but um, I wanted to ask of you both what you think the biggest change you've seen um, in Queens over the years that you've been there has been. Um, and as a part of that question, I also wanted to give you guys the chance to shout out any uh, small business in Queens that you think deserves a little bit of extra love. Yeah, let's say about the flushing. Uh, I came to this country uh, in 1998. The first stop I had is the flushing. The first thing I do is I receive the library card for last downtown, you know, Flushing Library, which is a landmark of the you know, city. For the past 23 years, uh, Flushing uh, changed a lot. Uh, we, um, you know, I mean, I say we, not only, you know, the Asian people, with all Hispanic people, minorities, white, Jewish, we build a flushing, flushing, the hub of economy of the New York City. We are very proud to that. Yeah, we build because with hard, hard working people. Flushing did change a lot, but not enough. Not enough. We need, a, let's say, international convention center. We may need a future air train. You know, the air train, um, you know, the project is underway. So can mitigate the, the, the traffic uh, to, you know, LaGuardia Airport. 
So we have a lot to do, but uh, we are very confident we can build flushing a better place to live with a quality of life. Thank you. Do you have a small business you want to shout out? Uh, myself? Yeah. You mean myself? Okay. I, okay, actually, I started a, a small business as a, um, online, what do you call the e-commerce, as early as 2002, where uh -huh. we earned a um, master degree in uh, computer, uh, what do you call the MIS. I, I had a startup. Basically, we sell stuff online. That, that was a 2002. Now, I have a very small business in my consulting company because... Uh, I know the budgeting finance. I know I have an IT background. Uh, I'm, I have a um, the con small consulting company uh, is in IT and finance consulting to work for small business. Hmm. Edwin, how about you? How has, how has Queens evolved over the course uh, of your from, life? I mean, of course, um, the demographics have changed um, significantly. I think uh, as part of the immigration that happened um, in the 60s, you have a lot more uh, Asian-Americans moving in um, to different neighborhoods, and this is all across Queens. I think, again, the population of Queens is about, I would just say, 25%, 30% Asian as well. And, and this is, when I say Asian, I mean East Asian, South Asian, Southeast Asian, so everyone. Um, and that, that's not including even folks that, you know, you know from, from Central Asia that we can even say are, are Asian-Americans. So um, there's definitely been an increase in, in, in the um, diversity of, the, of, the, of Queens, and I think it's great because it's resonant in with all the different languages that you speak, when when you go anywhere in Queens, you'll you'll hear different languages, not just English. Uh, that's the thing that's amazing about Queens, where everyone, um, for the most part, I think, can say gets along. And I think that um, the one thing I'm, I'm most proud of is is, is Queens is again the epicenter of the epicenter uh, here in Elmhurst. And I think everyone came together. Uh, people came out. They donated. They got PPE. They they took time out to just visit the nurses and the doctors and to say thank you. There was a seven o'clock clap every single night for a period of time, and I think people um, came together to help those who are in need. Your neighbors that maybe you know even right now have food insecurity. I think people are coming around and, and helping them. And um, for the kids, some kids didn't have laptops or computers to do remote schooling. And people actually came and, and donated. And I actually did the same thing. My, my mother was a public school teacher uh, at a Title I school called PS20 in Lower Manhattan. And, and I donated money to them so that they can get um, you know, um, you know, you know, computer equipment uh, for, for the kids. And so I think everyone chipped in. I think that's um, you know, what uh, Queens folks do. I think that's what the New York City did. I think everyone really came together and did what they could and chipped in where they could, where they, where they could help their neighbors and, and their fellow um, you know, residents. Um, and I think. Um, you know, I think as uh, people always have this thing where, you know, people aren't getting along, but I think that's just some aspects of the community. But I think uh, even all these things that's happening right now, even with this anti-Asian hate, uh, the community has come together to, to help combat that. And the city is coming together to do that as well. And I think the country is doing that as well. And I think um, if I can just mention that this Friday, there's going to be a, a national um, a day of action uh, to stop Asian hate. So for those that aren't aware of it, I think we're all trying to do something on, on Friday to, to make sure that we can participate in that. So uh, thank you. And do you have a queen small business you want to shout out? I will, oh, there's a lot, but I think I'll just mention one in my neighborhood. There's one, uh, Fada Bakery that some of you may know about. It's um, again, it's a family owned small business that have multiple locations throughout the city. 
and again, there's one here in Forest Hills. Uh, there's, there's a couple in Flushing. I think that's my, my go-to place if I need to go somewhere for breakfast to get like my roast pork bun or my tea with milk. And so um, mm. I think I'll just mention those guys for now, but there's as many. My mouth is just watering thinking about it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that is so great. Okay. I do want to do one last thing with you guys, but we're going to do it really fast because we're running a little short on time. So try to answer in one to two sentences a book that you would recommend to our audience. We can start with Dow. A, a book? Yeah, a book. Okay. What book would you recommend to our audience? Okay. Uh, I don't remember the full title, but it could be The Seven Habits of Most Effective People. Ooh. Okay, Edwin, how about you? I'll do a more personal um, uh, book. My, my younger brother, Chris, well, his name is Christopher Wong, but he goes by Christopher Kai. He wrote a book called Big Game Hunting, Networking with Billionaires, Executive, and Celebrities. And the title of the book is what the book is about. So if people want to learn about how to network with, well, high net worth individuals and executives and celebrities, um, he wrote a book about it because that's what he did. And he just wanted to share his experience and how he did it. Uh, and I think that was a, a book that I would recommend people read. Okay, I do have to ask one more question about that because I'm interested. So like, what's yep. the most famous person that he like rubbed shoulders with? He worked, I mean, I think one of the ones that I think helped him get is Elon Musk. Uh, my brother actually, uh, mm. I don't know if for the little folks that are out in LA, um, there's, it's, I think it's called Union, Re Union Rescue Mission. Um, it's like the largest uh, homeless um, shelter in, 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 in at least California, maybe the United States. And he did a weekly um, volunteer, uh, I guess, uh, session or workshop where he helped the kids there uh, try to you know, find role models that they can actually um, aspire to. And he somehow got connected to Elon Musk and he came and this is all, this is on YouTube too. I can send you guys a link, but he interviewed him and I think he uh, really did a good job with that. And from there, he ended up meeting other people. And I think, um, I think really just to help the, the children within the homeless shelter system there um, to really you know, have some hope uh, and aspire to be uh, someone like an Elon Musk or, or other individuals that he's had uh, had met. Um, but again, he's gotten into different events where he's met, you know, other folks like, you know, former President Bill Clinton. I think he met Jeff Bezos as well. And wow. a, a variety of different um, folks that he, he met um, over his, his years of uh, uh, doing what he does. Well, that is a fun note to end on and bringing it back to California after we spent a lot of time talking about the East Coast. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, that wasn't so, intentional. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Dow, uh, yeah. Edwin, thanks so much for making time for us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you again. Yeah. And we will wrap it up there for this week. Don, of course, also thank you for joining me as usual. My name is Katie Simpson. Our podcast is sponsored by Asian American Forward. You can visit our website at www.asianamericanforward.com. If you enjoyed the show this week or have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode, send us your comments at info at asianamericanforward.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook and hear more conversations between Don and I at our YouTube channel. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review in the Apple Podcast Store or tell someone about us. It really helps people find the show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.